Although Pete Buttigieg is no longer in the presidential race, his legacy lives on in his rules of the road. Respect, belonging, truth, teamwork, boldness, responsibility, substance, discipline, excellence, and joy. Welcome to Twitter Travel's Rules of the Road. Welcome back, everyone. Well, we've gone through the 10 rules of the road, two at a time, and now it's time to put them all together and think about how they worked in their totality. And I thought, let's start with how, how it was on the campaign trail. Those of us who were volunteers on the trail, we knew what it was like, but I wanted to talk to somebody who was there on the trail all the time. So joining me today is Nina Smith, who was Pete's traveling press secretary. Hi, Nina. Hi. Hi, Sue. Great to be with you. Thank you so much for doing this. I have to say how I met you on the trail. Being from Minnesota, it's really easy to go down to Iowa and help out. So a lot of us from Minnesota for Pete were always heading down to Iowa to show support. And I saw you first at the Iowa State Fair, and I was a part of the entourage that was following Pete around the fair as he was eating all that food and going down the slide and everything. And But I was too shy to introduce myself then because, you know what, I had yet to discover what belonging truly meant. <laughs> and so then when I, I saw you in Iowa City after an event and introduced myself and we were waiting, you were waiting for a lift and I was waiting for... Uh, Uber, <laughs> basically. And then I saw you again in Mason City. And you were always so welcoming and and friendly and observing the rules of the road. So I thought, what better person to talk about what it was like on the trail? So could you tell tell people what your um what it was involves being a traveling press secretary? What does that mean? I mean, it it, it depends on the campaign. I um for ours, I I uh, was an advisor to Pete on the road, so I advised him on a lot of breaking news, on what he was, um, the message of the day, um, any policy uh, announcements we were discussing or wanted to focus on, um, you know, in the particular city or town we were in. I coordinated a lot of the on-the-ground interviews, um, rapid response, uh just the, anything and everything in the communication shop to some degree, um, I had some hand in from the road. So essentially, I was the communication shop um, rolling with Pete. Well, oh, that sounds extremely stressful, but also energizing because you have to be totally on the ball at all times. Yeah. Because things, things are changing. Rapidly. Uh, and so um, whether it's looking at Twitter and, and spotting that uh, there's a there's breaking news um, that maybe we're waiting to confirm, but at least it's it, we, we kind of spot it there first and, and move on it. Or, you know, it, it could, any given day was a, was a different day. So we, we kind of rolled with the punches. We had a plan, but generally we tried to remain as nimble as possible. And, and my work was a part of that. And nimble is a good word for that. That That's fantastic. Well, let's get to the rules of the road. I want to ask you first, have you ever worked on a campaign that had something similar, like a, a code of conduct that you needed to sign on to? 
I mean, you know, we, we generally had trainings and the like with campaigns and, and, you know, generally, but it, it definitely felt more formal and human resource. Like, uh, the rules of the road are a little bit more cultural to me. Um, and so to me, it had been the first time where there was a nexus between the conduct of the campaign and the people who engaged with the campaign. And I think it's really a reflection of modern day campaigning generally. Twitter wasn't as much of a factor as uh, today as it was in 2000, or I'm sorry, it's more of a factor today than it was in 2012 or 2008. And I first got into mm-hmm. campaigning back in 2005. So you can imagine that the evolution of campaigns between over the last 15 years is just, it, I couldn't have imagined it being the way it is, you know, when I first started in politics. That's fascinating. And I love how you said the difference between something that's HR. I mean, I can I can totally get that. <laughs> and something cultural. And what you mean is it's the culture of, of the peak campaign? Like it was establishing the culture of the campaign? That's right. That's right. Wow. And we, it, it was the it was a guide for the team, you know, the core part of, you know, Peak for America. But it was also guiding principles for, you know, people who supported Pete so that you know, just seeing how things would develop sometimes on Twitter, some of the things that uh, we did see from both Trump and, and uh, sometimes um, uh, in other circles, this kind of uh, vitriolic at times, uh, very uh, acrimonious, tension-filled um, engagement with people online and sometimes in person, but, you know, um, just generally. And so politics is definitely uh, the passion factor, the the acrimony, for lack of a better word. It, it's just much, it's very visceral. And I think it was um, something that I think inspired people to try and create something that we could all use as a touchstone and, and something to guide us in those really intense moments. So just to summarize, or to state what they are again, in case anybody's forgotten, respect, belonging, truth, teamwork, boldness, responsibility, substance, discipline, excellence, and joy. Now, they came out in the summer. I can't remember exactly when. Was it June? Do you I remember? June. I, it may have even been earlier than that. I joined the campaign in late May of 2019. Do you know what went into that? Was uh, staff involved in the development of the rules of the road? Um, I, I think this was something that, you know, I'm not really clear on how they were developed. I, if I'm not mistaken, Mike and Pete actually put them together pretty early on. Um, and I think the design of it and and the broader cultural piece that we, uh, our first retreat was in May. That's when we kind of established it as like this, this thing. So, um, I'm, I'm fairly the story behind them. Okay. Well, that tells me. And so then it would have been rolled out a little bit later for, so by the time I was seeing it as, you know, anybody who was volunteering for the campaign, uh, you know, that, that's when we got it. And it was definitely a, um, a release of that. Well, that makes sense. That would be part of your, um, the retreat 
So did you sit and talk about like what does this mean? What would these challenges be? And it, it was actually it was a part of the training, as you said. I mean, again, like any uh, any campaign does some sort of training or onboarding. Particularly at that point, we were expanding pretty rapidly, so they were going from a staff of maybe you know ten or fifteen to seventy five at the time numbers. <laughs> Right. And I I understand there's not much time for sitting around talking about this. You had things to do. So it was more like, yeah, do we all agree on this? Yeah. (laughs) Well, I mean, mean, tacitly, if you're joining campaign, you're agreeing to be a part of their. Exactly. Um, So that definitely uh, was a part of things very early on. And as you were on on the trail uh, in that the setting that's full of acrimony. It's got the, the best and, and the worst of, 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 of life, really, of people. That's what you see when you're in the political realm and the fact that it's happening so, so quickly. Um, do you, was, was it difficult to follow those rules sometimes? I mean, here's the thing. Uh, I am a firm believer in just people being human. And so you're not going to be perfect. People are going to have moments, and I think it's incredibly important to leave space for that. Um, too often, uh, people get focused on you know uh, being right rather than um, thinking about the broader impact of of the conversation, or you know just thinking about the other person's humanity. And like somebody in the conversation has to you know, take up that mantle and, and, and remember that piece and remember that there are going to be moments where we're not in the best place um, we need to be. And, and that's, that's okay. And so uh, I, I, the rules of the road for me were definitely a guide for, for times when I did not feel so great Um, or, you know, after being on the road for three weeks and not really being in one place for more than one night, you're definitely not at your best. So there were several times when I just felt like it was too much and I didn't always follow them. It may not be what everybody else sees, but it, you know, there, there are times when you're human and you just, uh, you just have to kind of release things and, and, and <laughs> grow with the flow and uh, come back to center when need be. And again, that's why the rules of the road were kind of a good touchstone for that. Because you can always go back to that or you can wake up the next morning and say, okay, you know, I just have to, you know, remember, remember that. I love how you, how you put it in terms of uh, humanity and people and because what we can tend to be too much like rules of the road, police, force and oh you're not doing that and you know that happens on twitter um and (laughs) no nobody welcomes that actually it doesn't it doesn't work actually actually to to police other people exactly i think absolutely we we can only we can only control what we ourselves do and accept some some sort of straying away when when we just you know we're humans yeah I often wonder how how you could handle that pace I, I know you said you, you, when uh, we we talked in uh, Iowa City you said that you you never moved to South Bend because of course you wouldn't actually be in South Bend you would always be on the road that's right um I was on the road uh six sometimes seven 
days a week for three weeks at a time, generally um, on the road, nowhere near my my house here. Um, I and honestly, I didn't have an apartment. I I stayed. My stuff was kind of in my mom's house here in uh, in Maryland. And, you know, it, there's definitely a sense that you're kind of unmoored. You're not really tethered to anything. And it's very freeing at, at, on some days. And on other days, it's like, I, I really would love to just be at home. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what you are now, right? <laughs> yeah. Yes. That's what happened to all the people on the campaign to go from that crazy breakneck speed to being quarantined. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it, it was definitely uh, jarring. I, I That's the word I've been using with people because, again, like six or seven days a week, you're, you know that you're going to be on a plane or in the back of an SUV or at a rally and it's just we get after 10 months of it I got really used to that pace um and the first week of March the campaign ends and then I took a few days off away and came back to DC and you know that's when we started really hearing in earnest that things were starting to shut down um and I remember it very vividly because I went to a basketball game, an NBA basketball game with um, uh, a good friend of mine and her baby daughter. It was her first basketball game. And it was the first time I reconnected with any of my friends back in DC off the trail. And it was the last time I connected with friends. Because <laughs> um, oh. I didn't leave the house. Um, so I started quarantining the second week of March. Um, my mom works from home anyway. So we both kind of just stayed in the house and developed this routine of me going to the grocery store for her and running errands for her. We started wearing masks thoroughly and gloves because um, she she has asthma and I was pretty sensitive to to exposing her um, to that. So um, yeah, we, we've been, we've been, it's going on two months now for us uh, here in DC. Or so now. you've got the routine. You've got the routine <laughs> down now. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. Uh, so, so back to the the culture that you said the rules of the road are basically were um, establishing the culture of the Pete campaign. And what is sticks out in your mind as being different? You know, in, to the in that culture, the Pete campaign culture that's reflected in the rules of the road. I mean, I, I can't think. Uh, it, I think you could see it in the differences between, um, I think every campaign has a culture, right? And, well, uh, and you know that it, as being a professional uh, working in campaigns for how many years? Yeah, about 15 years in politics generally. Wow. Yeah, so so you have that as a frame of reference. And those of us who are the first, a lot of us were first time volunteers for a candidate. Um, so it's interesting to hear. So they all have their culture. What was different about Pete? Um, I, I would say everybody supported the mission. Um, there, you know, it, it was there was definitely a sense of family. Uh, you know, we we all keep in contact with each other. We're all close and look after one another because you know we're family. 
And I think, again, the rules of the world kind of created this space and um, opportunity for us to uh, both excel and, and do what we need to do as a campaign, but to also form bonds with each other. So, you know, there'd be nights where we would go to Corby's in South Bend and it's, it's a uh, local bar, great music. I've, and I've been there and it's a college bar. So I felt really out of place when I was there. <laughs> yeah, we, I mean, we, we would go in and we would take over. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I think some of our, some of the moments that helped us get through tough times, um, you know, also showed up in the times we were expressing joy. And so uh, it was all very much connected and I think helped bond us um, in a real way. Uh, I mean, of course, Pete and his vision for the country, I think also really kept us focused on the mission. Right. And I, I was going to ask you how it affected you professionally and personally. And there's that overlap because of the relationships that you've developed with um, the other other staffers that you, you continue to be friends and your yeah. family. Yeah. Yeah. We, we definitely try and, you know, check on each other, reach out and support each other and, you know, resume reviewing, like, you know, just all of those things, because, you know, I think all of us uh, really believe in each other's, um, you know, ambition, work, but also our, our mutual humanity and, and wanting to uh, do something good in the world. And I think that that bond is something that doesn't come along very often, but I think it's very unique to campaigns. Right, so that you shared that those set of values to begin with, you were already, you know, thrown together uh, with similar values. Uh, oh, I, I'm I love that you're you're staying in touch, and of course, to spend that much time with each other, that many hours a day, every day, um, you get to be pretty close. I would I would expect. Yeah, I mean, you know, again, uh, this quarantine has uh, and you know, general health emergency has made things very interesting on a number of fronts. I think uh, people are finding ways to stay connected and, um, you know, we're, we're doing the same. So, you know, I would definitely agree that it's allowed us to just make sure everybody's okay. And, and when something happens or um, someone on, on staff or our former staff, um, uh, lost their lost their parent, and we we all oh, no. and yeah, and you know sent food and and just different. That's the it was more communal, um, and it's very much a community. So it's a beautiful thing. Oh, I, I love hearing that. And those of us on on the organizing grassroots, and you know, we're we're staying together, and the, the you know, Team Pete forever <laughs> staying together. Yeah. I would say that you know, having the rules of the road just as something um, to hang on to as a, a, a kind of a, a guideline, something that is uh, un- unites us. Maybe I think about that. Yeah, because I was thinking about well, and this what is is it, it's Pete's legacy, right? But they're being used for when when the era packs, so there's they still exist. So there's still Pete's that that is the legacy. I mean, what's interesting is uh, they didn't 
you know, the rules of the road are based on values that existed before the campaign launched. And so that's the, that's the magic of it. I think it's not reinventing the wheels, just pulling things together and, and it's stating it, you know, it's making it like, Hey, don't forget, (laughs) this is what we believe in. Yeah. And, uh, we would have to remind ourselves on some of them and, and some like, oh, okay, you know, we have to, because it was hard, like, not to respond to certain things on Twitter, and it still is hard to, it's hard to just ignore some things. That's so <laughs> Definitely, yeah. Well, you talked about joy, the joy of, of you know, going to Corby's, and definitely that sticks out. Um, I, wa- I want to ask you what your favorite rule of the road is, because that's always a, a good question to ask people. So, is it joy? Is there oh, another one? Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. I mean, it's the only way to make it through tough, tough times. Um, it, it's hopeful. Um, and of course, when you're happy, you're happy. So, I mean, it's there, but it, it helps, right? So if I can find something to laugh at in, in any dark situation, then generally it's going to be okay. Um, and and I think that's why I feel like joy is is one of my favorites because it's something that can bring you up when you're down. Um, and it's also, you know, balancing out that people can't feel joy all the time, right? Um, to recognize its absence is also acknowledge, you know, that there are other feelings there that need to need to be expressed. Um, so yeah, it's one of my favorites. Okay, now we have to I have to stop there because I've never thought of it that way, and that's that's really profound. The absence of joy, also, and that you need to have space for that. Yeah, absolutely. Wow, um, <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah, that's a humanity again, too, right? Is that I, yeah, we're humans. Yeah, I, and and real realistic well, expectations. Yeah. So, what are you doing now? You're not just sitting there twiddling your thumbs in quarantine. No, I mean, I took about a month and a half off. So a lot of sleeping and a lot of Netflixing. Um, But, you know, I... You needed that. (laughs) I did. I I used to run a social justice PR firm prior to to starting with Pete. And, um, you know, had built some good relationships um, with different people. So, um, you know, I came out of this with some great client opportunities. So I'm back to consulting and which is my happy place. Uh, so I'm working with, um, couple of nonprofits or no one nonprofit, uh, called vote.org. It's a digital voter registration tool. Um, once you sign up, you get election reminders and updates on changes to your voter registration. And um, they have the only vote by mail request tool on their website. So that's www.vote.org. Um, and right on the homepage, you can get updates on election changes um, impacted by COVID. You have a COVID page that was launched overnight. And yeah, you can, it's a one-stop shop for voting. Uh, so I'm really excited to be working with them and voter registration is a, is my, one of my first political loves, uh, did a lot of voter registration right out of college and on college campuses across the state of Maryland. So 
back, good to be back home doing that sort of work. Uh, and I'm consulting for Georgetown University and doing some uh, communications work for them. I am also doing work with Stacey Abrams, uh, helping her. She's launching a book next month. And so I'm doing some planning. Really exciting. Yeah. Uh, be on the lookout for it. It's called Our Time Is Now and talking about what she's been up to since that 2018 election where uh, Brian Kemp stole it <laughs> with um, voter purges and uh, just all kinds of shenanigans on election day. She lost by less than um, uh, two percentage points in the state of Georgia. So doing some work with her and she's just absolutely brilliant and a joy to work with. Uh, oh, that sounds like a fantastic um, opportunity. Wow. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I, I, I'm, I have nothing to complain about. Uh, you know, I am, I have a healthy family. My friends are good and, you know, I, I have income, so I'm grateful for all of it. Uh, I'm glad that you're you're so busy and uh, and doing such meaningful work. Also, that vote.org. Did I get it right? Yes, you did. Okay, that that's amazing. I mean, and that is so important right now. And uh, with all of our worries about the t- the 2020 election and getting people to vote, oh, that that must be the the exciting. changes that are happening. Yeah, are breathtaking. And so, if we aren't vigilant, like you know, there who knows what could happen on November 3rd, who knows if we'll have an election on November 3rd. So we kind of have to remain as vigilant as possible and continue to, to keep our foot on, you know, uh, on the gas when it comes to voter registration and vote by mail, uh, you know, it, there's no better time than right now to start planning for it. Um, so why not? Uh, that's my thought. <laughs> right. And and you said it well when you said we have to be vigilant. Yeah. Definitely. Oh my gosh. So in your um consulting, do you do you ever think of the rules of the world now? I mean, do you do you ever like wake up in the morning and think, "Oh, I don't feel my best." And uh, oh yeah, I remember when I was on the peak campaign and <laughs> I thought about the rules of the road. <laughs> or is it just like so campaign and done? Because, you know, as I said, I'm just a grassroots organizer. I've only had one campaign to work on. <laughs> yeah. And you've had many. Thing, like I, you know, um, it's funny because I kind of cracked the joke that I'm kind of a campaign, like, you know, uh, old head of sorts. Like I, I, I it, you kind of like understand um, the nature of campaigns, the moment in time they existed. And, you know, they stay with me forever. Um, there, there are things that I learned in 2005 from the likes of Robbie Mook and Marlon Marshall that I still apply today. And um, for those not familiar, Marlon was, uh, he's a huge organizer, ran national organizing for, for Hillary, ran national organizing for Obama in 2012. Like, you know, we, it's all about the people who are part of the campaign and uh, who teach you those, those values and those skills that never leave you. And, and that's why in, in the political world, it's really easy to create networks and, you know, have people become family um, than, I, than it is in any other field, I think, just because 
it's it's a very unique bonding experience. That's really interesting to hear. So it's not like you just, you know, you're like turn on the campaign mode and then when it's over you turn it off and and it's encapsulated. No, you you're a different person basically after every campaign with yeah. a, a wider network. Yes. Yes, I, I would say that is that is a fact. That is a fact. either the place changes you, the candidate changes you, or the campaign all changes you. Wow, and to be be in this uh, line of business, you have to be really flexible. You have to have so if if you were to work on uh, the next presidential campaign, right? You just have to kind of you know drop everything else you're doing. Well, and for me, ideally, um, and we'll see what life is like in 2024. But, uh, you know, this is, I've done several campaigns now, so I'm not sure if another full-time presidential is in the cards for me. I, I would like to continue consulting and see where I fit in there. Um, but, you know, I, I, I'm going to start thinking about other things, about settling down somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> right. You can't keep up that kind of a, a, a pace it's, uh, with it's no home. Yeah. <laughs> you can't have a home. Nope. Yeah. Oh, but so being consulting, you would uh, really like to build up the consulting business and yeah. continue. To- I can, you know, find a group that's comfortable. Mm-hmm. Would you want to, uh, uh, any or down the line, work? for someone else how about corporate work oh no that's not i I, so i mean it working with pete on the road was good for me i am the type of person that subverts rules i don't really like following rules so (laughs) so you don't like those hr rules (laughs) yeah well it's interesting right because the rules of the road would naturally for me i'm the type of person that would fuck stuff like that Mm -hmm. um but the, the values expressed are things that I identified with, so it didn't feel, you know, constrictive or, you know. Um, it, I, right. So you believed in the values. Yeah. 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 Uh, so, yeah, I, I am a bit of a, <laughs> I don't think the corporate space would be good for me. Mm-hmm. But you can build up your consulting business and it seems like the, the sky's the limit for you. I, I appreciate that. Yes, I, <laughs> I, I am. I am really comfortable in the social impact space and politics, and you know, those sorts of projects work just fine for me. And I, I know myself and where I thrive. And uh, I like my nose rings and tattoos, and I may get some more. Wow! I don't, I don't know if I noticed the nose ring. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if I noticed the nose ring. Oh yeah, it's there. I have a oh, okay. <laughs> I have tattoos all over. Like I, those. It's not necessarily conducive for a corporate setting. Now, situations change, maybe, but I don't see it happening. <laughs> well, it sounds like you're in a really good place professionally right now. Yeah, I, I, I feel um, I'm, I'm grateful to to be in that position. Very much so. Well, and once the quarantine's lifted, we don't know how long that will last, but um, your job would take on more in-person meetings, I would expect, as a consultant. I mean, you know, with the consulting, you have to keep up certain boundaries. Um, you know, it, it's so for me, I do a lot of remote work, a lot of 
I want weekly calls, et cetera. So I'm not expecting to be embedded in anybody's office. Um, my primary office will be my home. Oh, so you're set then. Well, I'm glad I'm going to still see you on Twitter. Yeah, you know, it's funny because Twitter, I, I have this very interesting relationship with Twitter. I, again, like it's... Lo- <laughs> Love-hate relationship? <laughs> it, it's a totally... Well, it's kind of like, again, I, by, I joined Twitter in 2009, uh, been doing stuff like leveraging and using it for campaigns and the like since about 2011. And so to see where it is today, it's just kind of like, oh, that's a cute girlfriend I used to know. (laughs) And, you know, we engage when we need to because we work together. But, you know, I, I, I don't derive as much joy as I used to from being on the platform. So. I go where I do find joy, which is sometimes. Oh, that's probably a secret. Yeah. <laughs> but but we can we can find you anyway on there. Occasionally oh, yeah. you'll post. I'll definitely be tweeting. I will definitely, you know, uh, share any pertinent information. For me, I've always looked at social media as how can I be a resource. So you know, generally I'm tweeting about like where you can find information or different articles that people should be aware of, um, things that need to be lifted up, uh, you know, that sort of thing. If I have that verified checkmark thing, I usually try to be a bit more circumspect about what I'm sharing with people. Yes. Well, I saw your announcement that you're working with Stacey Abrams. So that's a, a good case in point. That's right. Um, yeah. They're watching. They're always watching. So uh, it, it's it's something that you just try to be very conscious of. Right. And there's still a role there for Twitter. There is. Well, absolutely. Yes. Thank you so much for talking to me today. I'm going to respect your time. I know you have a lot going on right now with your different clients. Um, so thank you so much. And like I said, I'm glad that I'll still be able to find you and say hi because, you know, we, we like our Pete family too. Yeah. (laughs) We we grassroots people. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's, it's, that was the thing that we just, we formed this really beautiful community. And I think, you know, for me, that's the wonderful part of Twitter, right? Logging on and seeing everybody still. Uh, building community with each other and mobilizing and staying engaged because, you know, too often candidates drop out and people get discouraged and walk away from the process. And so it's just really great to see everybody still engaged, still talking, you know, still showing up. Uh, It's so important. And I'm grateful to you, to all of the grassroots supporters out there that, you know, just, who just kept going and, uh, without you, we wouldn't be ramping up the way we are on a number of different fronts, a lot of Pete staff. So thank you. Well, thank you. That's good to hear from you. <laughs> All right. Well, I know it's hard to say goodbye, but let's do this in a joyful way, right? Yeah, <laughs> thank you so much. It was really fun and joyful talking to you today, Nina. And good luck with everything you're working on. Same, same. Uh, great luck with the podcast, and I can't wait to hear more about it. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Twitter Travel's Rules of the Road. I hope it inspired you.